Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sia Najad. It is Thursday. It's our game-by-game preview. And I'm here, of course, like I always am on Thursday, with the man, the myth, the legend. Mike, you are a legend now. You might not know this yet, but you helped so many people. And we recapped it on our Tuesday show. You, I mean, I'd like to think I helped too. Like, don't get me wrong. But Mike, you were just on fire, operating on all cylinders. Uh, I, I, we looked at your lineups. You had a huge week, right? Huge week. Uh, still bitter about it. It's hard to be bitter about making that amount of money, but uh, one passing yard more for Sam Ellinger is an extra 40. And 0.8 points was a difference between another 128. Uh, so massive, massive swings where came up on the wrong end of it, but still a great week nonetheless and happy that uh, everybody else had a great week too. If you don't mind, because I, I want to capture this appropriately. When can you please specifically quantify what you mean by 40 and 128? Uh, yes, one passing yard from Sam Ellinger is another forty thousand dollars of profit, uh, and one hundred and twenty-eight thousand dollars of additional profit with zero point eight one more fantasy points. Unbelievable, uh, Mike. So we have this game by game preview. A lot is happening right now. I mean, just so you know, Mike, we went over the trade deadline stuff on Tuesday. Not a lot of super high impact stuff for for this week as it pertains to DFS. But as we go through this game by game preview, we are going to see perhaps some things have opened up for maybe you know guys. Like an example would be like guys like Deion Jackson, for example. Like I'd like to get your opinion on whether or not you're going to want to play him once we actually get to that Colts game. But so there is some trade deadline sort of impactful stuff. But I, I do have to mention, and some of this isn't uh, relevant to this main this 10-game main slate, but we've got a lot of heavy hitters that that are out. Looks like they might be out for the season. Rashad Bateman is out for the season, it looks like. Um, Michael Thomas, I'm hearing. Uh, he Well, he's on IR as of today, but I'm hearing he might not come back this season either. So um, some guys who we thought might be really good this year, you know, Rashad Bateman, he wasn't really high on my radar personally. If you if you listen to our offseason series, you'd know that. Uh, but nonetheless, that's another weapon, you know, that you take away from Lamar Jackson. So I think that's going to be really interesting when we have the Ravens on the main slate. I think guys like Isaiah likely become a lot more relevant. Obviously, some of those third-tier receivers on that team, Devin DuVernay, Demarcus Robinson, maybe even James Prochet. These are some of the guys that I think might have some value because they'll be so they'll be so low-priced uh, on the main slate. But a lot of stuff happening, um, but none of it really super relevant to this slate. Mike, if it's okay with you, I say we get started with, with the Bills, minus 11.5 at the Jets. It's a 47-point total. This is a really interesting game because – it's one of those few situations on this slate where we have a team that's in a high total game of 47 and they have a high implied total. It's the highest on the slate at around 29. And yet, you know, I, I think people, including myself, are a little fearful playing this game. Um, I think certainly you could play this game. And, and I think 
there's a lot of different ways to do it. But here's the thing. Now, first of all, we understand that when you have an 11 and a half or a 12 or, or a 13 point spread, you typically aren't going to have that back and forth, which lends itself to these onslaught stacks. The problem with that in this particular case is I just wonder how much Josh Allen we see in the third or fourth quarter. But I might be overstating that. And also Devin Singletary, who's sort of been a staple in a lot of my Bills plays, do you think Naheem Hines takes a little bit away this early in the process? I mean, obviously, I think in two and three weeks, he's definitely going to take some passing work away. I don't know if he's going to take work away this early. Do you have any opinions on that? And do you like to stack this game? Uh, I think that Heinz will get a little bit. Um, I, I don't think it'll be a ton. I don't think that the goal from them acquiring him was ever to really replace that. Uh, I, I think it's just simply an additional weapon that can touch the football in certain spots. Is I and I also think it's just added depth mostly for this Bills team. So I don't think it makes a massive difference here in this week one for the new situation. Um, as far as playing the game. I've got zero players in this game in my player pool uh, when mm-hmm. I make a run. The only thing that I will say with that is Josh Allen is playable in every single matchup. Anytime he touches a football field, he is playable. Now, based on everything that I'm seeing when I'm running all my projections, there are a few tight ends that are going to be very popular that are cheap. Dawson Knox is also very cheap. If I were to play this game, it would be a Josh Allen to Dawson Knox stack. Uh, and, and that would basically be it. I would not have a bring back. Uh, I'm not really interested in the running game just because I, I don't know what Hines is going to mix in. I don't think he's going to mix in enough to be DFS relevant himself, but he could absolutely mix in enough to be relevant enough to hurt Singletary to the point where we have no interest there. Um, so if I'm playing this game, it's Dawson Knox. Uh, I, I think he's an interesting contrarian option, um, but mostly off this game. So I got a couple questions for you, but before I get to those, uh, some funny comments in here. So uh, let's see. Uh, Rob Roper. I mean, Zach, you could bring this up if you want. He says, oops, thought this was the show with Jamie and Dave. Uh, First of all, that's a great show. I hope you're tuning into Fantasy Football Today and Fantasy Football Today in five, uh, which is literally every single day. But Rob, good news. You stumbled on this show. Stay with us, especially if you dabble uh, in DFS, because I think you're going to like what you hear, uh, both for your bankroll and just for uh, your redraft. I mean, I think a lot of this stuff has application to redraft. I certainly think you should lean on Jamie and Dave and that whole crew, Heath and Adam and company. But uh, Rob, thanks for stumbling in here. We hope you stay. And then Sean, of course, Sean Stanger, DFS is greater than season long. Listen, I'm biased, so I'm not going to give out my opinion here. They're both awesome. But, Sean, I I think that's a supportive post for this show. And so I certainly appreciate you. Anybody in here who hasn't already hit the like button, please do that. And if you haven't reviewed this podcast, I highly encourage you to do that. It certainly helps this show quite a bit. Mike, the question I have for you, because it looks like Corey Davis is not going to play on Sunday. So what you have is Garrett Wilson, and I believe he's 4,700. Zach, if you can sort of punch him up. And maybe his game log too. That would be helpful. I think he's forty seven hundred, and I, you know I think Tyler Conklin actually might be in play if you wanted to dabble in this game too, because he is reemerging with the targets. But also Matt Milano didn't practice today, and if Matt Milano is out, I do think Tyler Conklin presents sort of like an interesting, perhaps contrarian tight end play because I don't think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to him. With that said, if I wanted to play Josh Allen but I didn't want to pair him with Stefan Diggs. I didn't want to pay up there because I want to pay up in so many other places. What if I did a Josh Allen and Garrett Wilson run back? Ridiculous? 
you know, or or is that something if I just really wanted a piece of this game, I run that? Yeah, no, it's not ridiculous at all. Uh, I'm just choosing to be a little lower on uh, Josh Allen and company in this spot than uh, than I think the rest of the field might be. So if you want to play him, I think Wilson's fine. I think Conklin's fine. Conklin's ownership is going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. After receiving double-digit targets last week, what tw- I think he had close to 25 fantasy points in that game. Um, yeah, I think that it'll be yeah 25 fantasy points uh, on 10 targets. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if everyone flocks back to that at 3,200 or not. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be off the game personally. I, there's just so many other spots that I like, and mm-hmm. uh, I already have a pretty healthy lean on the under in this game. Yeah, and I think Tyler Conklin is definitely somebody to keep an eye on, especially if Matt Milano was out, because I think he's I think Conklin's going to receive a lot of Matt Milano attention if Milano's in the game. But honestly, even if he is, I think Milano's a great linebacker, by the way, uh, in every every respect. But I think Conklin's a really sneaky play because I think if people want to get a piece of this game, they're going to go for Garrett Wilson. So if you wanted a piece of this game, whether you're stacking it or not, I think Tyler, especially the, with the tight end landscape this week with, you know, Zachary's at the top and you just, you got a lot of middling guys, you know, you might want to play Gerald Everett because of the, the Chargers injuries. You might want to go down to Evan Ingram at 3,300. Those are all fine plays, but I just don't think people are going to get to Tyler Conklin, mostly because they're afraid of this Bills defense. And to the extent they're not, I kind of think they're going to end up playing Garrett Wilson. So I think this is an interesting game to consider. Uh, I I agree with you, Mike. I I said it on the Tuesday show. This was not a game I was super interested in, but you're right. Anytime Josh Allen is going onto a football field, you kind of have to consider him. I like playing guys like this naked because I'm just not sure who's going to get the share. Is it going to be all Stefan Diggs? Is it going to be some Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir, Isaiah McKenzie, Devin Singletary? Not quite sure. Cut my losses, just take Josh Allen and hope he spreads it thin uh, across the whole body of, of receivers. Let's move on to the next game, though. Anybody, if you have any questions about this game in particular, any DFS questions, otherwise, feel free to put them in the chat. We're going to try to get to them. Vikings minus three at the Commanders. This is only a 43.5 point total. The implied total for the Vikings, 23.25, 20 and change for the Washington Commanders. So, Mike, this one I find pretty interesting. And I and I find it interesting because I think there's a pretty good run back option for Washington. And I also think this is a game where Kirk Cousins can really come out of his shell and potentially excel because of the Washington secondary that really didn't get up get beat up by Ellinger last week because the game plan would have been limited for Ellinger, but it's not going to be for Kirk Cousins. And I just wonder if you're interested in a Kirk Cousins stack with Justin Jefferson and a Terry McLaurin run back at 5,900. Uh, and if not, is there any, whether it's a stack or not, are there any players in this game that you're interested in? I noticed Curtis Samuel is in that low K, uh, 5K range of 5,200. He hasn't done a lot lately, but I, I think this could be a spot for him to to do well and pay off his price at 5,200. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I don't mind it. Uh, I think I'll end up with a tiny bit of uh, Justin Jefferson in this game. Looking at some of my initial ownership data, uh, I have him as the 12th most popular wide receiver. Uh, I don't think that that is appropriate considering the matchup and situation there on the team. Um, I I think that while the thing that's frustrating here is we had weeks of 13 targets back-to-back weeks. I believe it was week four and five. Yeah, it's up here on the screen now. Four and five. He had 13 targets in those games. A lot of yards. Like That was kind of the spot where we thought we might be seeing that more often. There's still a pretty big difference between eight targets and 13. Uh, when it comes to someone's upside, I'd like to see that eight that we've seen a couple times and then six before that. I'd like to see that consistently be 10 plus 
for me to consider him as more must play status, like guys like Tyreek Hill, for example. However, I think this is a great spot to catch him on a potential spike week. He might be able to do a lot with the eight targets in this particular matchup. Uh, I think there's a pretty strong chance that he's taken one to the house. So I, I do like him. Um, salary always becomes the issue at 8,600. Uh, again, why we're not playing him weekly is because he's 8,600 to 9,000 and we're getting eight targets, not 13, right? So um, I like him, don't love him, but when he's not in the top 10 in overall ownership, that's when I've got my attention on it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I do want to point out Dalvin Cook. He's 7,800. It's a little too pricey for me. I would I would expect his ownership to be relatively low. But Mike, when I checked, uh, it, it might I wasn't checking your numbers, but can you tell me what his ownership is trending at for Dalvin Cook? Yes, let's pull up running backs. Uh, Dalvin Cook, about 5%, which makes him 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. About the 12th highest owned running back. The, the ownership, there are five running backs that are going to be 25% plus. Wow. Okay. Um, you three, go ahead three running back week again, just like last week. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. And we'll get to that when we get to your top three at the end of the show, Mike. And by the way, we'd like to get uh, to 100 likes uh, before we give out the top three at each position that Mike does for us every Thursday show. So if you haven't hit the like button, uh, go ahead and do that. Do you guys answer redraft league questions asked uh, Patrick Haas one sometimes, uh, it kind of depends on time. We like to just defer to DFS questions only, but if you have a redraft question, put it in there. Sometimes the chat helps out. And if we can get to it, usually towards the end of the show, uh, we're happy to do that. I, you know, Dalvin cook, listen, Washington's secondary is really bad, but their, their rush defense is actually pretty good. The one thing that's going in Dalvin cook's favor, I think is he did catch five or six targets last week. He kind of you know, he hasn't really been getting the targets, but last week it looks like coming off the bye, they decided to give him the ball a little bit more in the passing game. Washington's not very good against pass catching running backs. With all of that said, I'm just not going to be on Dalvin Cook. I, I would rather just pay up for Jefferson and pay down for some of the running backs that I, I know Mike and I are, are very much interested in. I don't think there's anybody else to consider here. For me, I can tell you that I'm going to be playing some tournament lineups with Justin Jefferson and Terry McLaurin run backs. That does not have to be stacked with Kirk Cousins necessarily. It might just be a skinny stack with McLaurin on one side, hoping he gets a ceiling game, and uh, Jefferson, who I actually kind of expect to have a very big game against the commanders. In spite of the fact that this is a low total, I do think the concentration of targets, particularly on the Vikings side and particularly with Irv Smith gone, I think is going to be maybe even a couple more targets towards the guys like Justin Jefferson. So something to keep in mind. Let's go to another game that I think is really sneaky, Mike. We were all over this game. If you remember last week when we did the cheat sheet, you said your favorite stack was two at a Tyree kill. And I basically was like, darn, that was kind of my favorite stack too. So I had to, I had to pivot off something uh, to, to something that was actually pretty good as well, but I kind of like it again here. And I, and I also like Justin Fields at 5,300 uh, and I'd consider him in cash games. And I know that's like super dangerous, but it looks like Justin Fields, at least over the last few games, not only is he dropping back more, but he's scrambling more and he's establishing a rushing floor that, you know, it's not a Lamar Jackson rushing floor, but it's pretty darn close over the last few games. So I think, obviously, Waddle and Tyreek Hill are in play here. I think Mostert is interesting in a bounce back spot. And with the news of Jeff Wilson coming over, I don't think a lot of people are going to be playing Mostert. But then when I saw ownership projections, he did seem kind of high. With all of that said, I like all the Dolphins. I like a two a stack. I like a two a double stack like you did last week. And I think 45 and a half is a, is a pretty high total, actually. And I think... We could get to a place, with, especially with the Denver, excuse me, not Denver, the Dolphins secondary, where Justin Fields could actually 
put up a, a ceiling game for him and this receiver core. What say you? Is this a game you're interested in stacking? It is. Uh, I'm not going to stack it as heavily as I did last week. It's mostly going to be isolating Tyreek. Uh, I, I don't like a bring back personally. Uh, there should be opportunities. The thing that I'm worried about is Miami defensive scores and shorter fields a little bit in this spot. So I like it. I don't love it. I love Tyreek Hill again. I will say, though, if you do like it, play Jalen Waddle. Waddle is projecting around 2 to 3% ownership right now. Not a lot of people are going to be going that way because they're going to want to jam in some of the other position players this week. We also think that the running backs are going to be super popular again. Going to be a lot of lineups with three running backs as the builds. Uh, with people paying up at the top with guys like John J. Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, potentially Stephon Diggs, who's going to garner ownership because of Josh Allen. Uh, I don't think anyone's playing Jalen Waddle here, and I'd like him in this matchup. Yeah, I love the discount there, too. And, and we've seen games where, I mean, listen, I, I think the, the regression is going to come for Waddle where it's going to be Tyreek Hill that's going to get the touchdown. So more power, too, if you want to play Tyreek Hill. I'm going to be playing some Tyreek Hill this week, but I think Jalen Waddle is a really good discount option. And for the record, when you look at, if you're looking at this game, and Zach, you can go back to the game log because I want to channel in on something really quick. If you're watching us on YouTube, you're going to see this. So we're looking at Jalen Waddle, and we're looking at opponent rank, right? And it's a big red third. Listen, there's a couple reasons for that. You can run on Chicago. And so you're not like, there's a lot of teams who were who rate out really well against the pass. And it's partly because teams just run all over them. And so they're, they're, they're passing yards. Some of the metrics, just they don't speak to the fact that the defensive backfield isn't very good. And, and I do want to point out that the Bears haven't faced a lot of great quarterbacks. That they face, let's see, Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. Well, that's pretty good. Trey Lance, Aaron Rodgers. I don't really know what to say about Aaron Rodgers at this point. Davis Mills, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi in, in, in a combo game there. So, uh, you know, just be careful when you look at some of these, these stats. And I, I, I talk about this almost every week when, you know, it's, it's, it's great to look at, you know, DVOA and, you know, whatever it is, you know, catch rate and all this. But, like, put the, put the stats in their proper context. And in this case, I think that the path for Tua and Waddle – well, Tua and, and this team in general – is through the past. We saw it last week with Detroit. Most of, listen, it was kind of a negative game script for them because at least early because Detroit established a big lead. That took Mostert out of the game a little bit. But the reality was Mostert wasn't that great from a yards per carry standpoint. And you you saw it was so easy for Tua to pass against the Detroit Lions. This is a different animal, but I do think the number one path for the Dolphins in terms of moving the ball is through the air. So it's just something to consider. Listen, I think the Bears secondary is is, is okay. But I don't think they're third in opponent rank. I think that is a very misleading number. So I think that's just something to consider. Uh, yeah, these two receivers are are just fantastic. So anything on the Bears side, Mike, if I was going to stack, let's say, Tua to whatever, Waddle or Tyreek, is, is Darnell Mooney, is, is he starting to emerge enough to get in the conversation? And do you hate my Justin Fields take? Is Justin Fields somebody that's cash game or tournament viable in your eyes? Uh, I think he is. I think it just depends on what your stance is on some of the other quarterbacks on the slate. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, let me look at the schedule and see. I don't want to break the news too quickly before uh, the next game. Eh, it's coming up in two games, so we'll, we'll talk about it quickly. I, I'm playing Aaron Rodgers in every lineup almost this week, so I, I love Aaron Rodgers, top quarterback by a mile for me. Um, because of that, I can't get to Justin Fields personally. If you're not going to play a bunch of Aaron Rodgers, then I think you're picking between Geno, Marcus Mariota, 
or Justin Fields, basically. Um, so if that's the scenario and you really like Miami, then yeah, I think Justin Fields is an absolutely fine play. Uh, but I, I just play a very limited number of lineups. I play five. Um, I think I'm going to play three total quarterbacks, maybe. But uh, on one particular site being DraftKings, there's one guy, Aaron Rodgers, that is going to take at least three of my five lineups. I love that because I have so many questions about that game. So I'm just once we get to that game, you're yeah. just going to talk because <laughs> uh, I, I obviously it's a great matchup. I'm just curious what you're doing with Aaron Rodgers. But before we get to that, let's go to let's see the Panthers plus seven and a half at the Bengals. It's a 42 and a half point total. You know, I kind of think this game is sneaky. It's a very low total. Um, implied total for the Bengals is 25, so that's not that's not super terrible. That, that that's okay. That's in the range of where you'd want to be from an implied total standpoint. But I do think this is sneaky, particularly because the Bengals have some issues on defense. DJ Reader is still out. Uh, we have let's see, Tapo. I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Mike Hilton, Trey Flowers. I believe they're still going to be out. Awuzier is now out for the season, and I you know. It's one of those situations. Well, Jamar Chase is out too, of course. And I think if Carolina can move the ball, I, I think the over could come in here. And we know the concentration of targets on the Carolina side. You know, it's it's basically Deontay Foreman running the ball. Hubbard likely to be back, but I think he's going to have a backup role. It's Foreman and it's DJ Moore on one side, maybe Terrace Marshall value too. And on the other side, it looks like it's going to be T. Higgins and um, not Mike Thomas, but Tyler Boyd and, and maybe Hayden Hurst. Obviously, Joe Mixon's involved there, too. My point is, if, if you pick right on one or two of those guys, whether it's a skinny stack or a stack, isn't this game kind of sneaky or is this just, you know, you're just, you just you, you glance right over it? Uh, it's kind of sneaky until I look at the ownership on it. Uh, Joe Mixon projecting to be one of the most popular players on the slate. Uh, I saw that. Now, I was run wild. It. Yeah, it's uh, and look, Joe Mixon could very well run incredibly hot you know, in terms of touchdown variance. However, I think Burrow is going to want to throw, so they're going to have to come through the air. It's pretty simple for me. We've talked about this a few times. Uh, what I'm going to ultimately end up doing with Mixon is I'm going to end up betting his player prop overs, uh, likely uh, on receiving yardage or number of receptions, because I think that's truly the only way he gets there at that price point to really hurt us in DFS. So I'll probably end up sprinkling a bit there, complete fading in DFS. But because of that, uh, I don't think that I can get anywhere um, close to it. I, I'm trying to look at Higgins' number real quick. He, he's about 11 to 12% owned. I don't mind it. I think it's mostly appropriate considering Jamar Chase won't be there and the overall game they're playing. The only thing I'll say, or two things quickly on it, uh, I don't like Foreman this week. Uh, the passing game, non-existent really for him in terms of his involvement. Uh, ran incredibly hot on the touchdowns. Thank you very mm -hmm. much. You helped me cash and make a lot of money. Uh, got pretty lucky with that point of it. Uh, his box score could be cut in half um, very, very easily last week. Hubbard's going to be back. Um, just I, I think it's time to move on from Foreman in this particular setup. The one guy I would have interest in playing if you love Joe Mixon or you love the Bengals, uh, Shea Smith. Shea Smith. Mm -hmm. Shea Smith. I don't know how to say his first name. Um, Shy Smith. Shown, yep. Shy Smith. Yes. Yeah, see, I can't say it correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, he has flashed upside at times in his career. Wasn't great last week. Was on the field. Um, I do like him if they find themselves in a trailing game script. Uh, I, I think he's okay to have a big play at 3,200. Any interest in Terrace Marshall? Because we saw him get nine targets last week. He only caught four of them, but 
He does seem like a big, bad red zone threat. And with the injuries on the Bengals side, which includes secondary injuries, quite a few of them, is he a, a potential dart throw just to throw out there to save some money? Yeah, I don't mind it, it, but I would only do it if you were playing that game. I would only do mm. it as part of something related to Cincinnati personally. Yeah, and I, I, that's a good point because I think if Mixon's ownership stays as high as it is, you know, you can sort of double leverage that by playing no Joe Mixon and getting Joe Burrow and let's say T Higgins with some sort of run back, whether that be DJ Moore or if you want to take a shot on Deontay Foreman. I agree with Mike on Deontay Foreman. I will just say that Cincinnati hasn't been very good against the run, but yeah. I'm more likely to play a receiver than I am De- De- um, Deontay Foreman as some sort of run back. It's probably DJ Moore, maybe Terrace Marshall. I do think this game could hit the over though. And if that's the case and it if, if it hits the over and you fade Joe Mixon and it comes through the passing game, then you're in pretty good shape because you've you've appropriately faded Joe Mixon where 20 to 25% of the field is and you're getting all those points from positions that people aren't going to have because people aren't going, like they might have T Higgins a little bit, but they're not going to be pairing Higgins with Joe Mixon in a game that has a 42 and a half point total. It's just probably not going to happen. They're probably not pairing Mixon with Joe Burrow either. So um, these are things to consider in your tournament lineups. If you think the over is going to come and if you think this has some sneaky shootout potential, and you think Mixon's going to be one of the highest running backs, it's an easy call to fade the running back and to try to just enjoy the fruits of a potential shootout in this game. Is it going to happen? I don't know, but this is what tournaments is all about, right? You're trying to fade the popular guy and and get the the high score in, you know, leverage the high score in, in a different way than what everybody else is doing. So something to consider there. But let's go to the let's go to the game you like a lot. And it makes sense, right? The Green Bay Packers. They're playing the Detroit Lions. Anytime you're playing the Detroit Lions, you caught you, you want to have some involvement in that game. I mentioned on the Tuesday show that I liked this game, which is obviously not breaking news, Mike. Um, but I'd also said that as much as I might like Rodgers, I wasn't sure who to pair him with. And we know there's some injuries on the on the Packers side when it comes to the receiver position. Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, you know, are they playing? Um, if not, is it is it another you know take a shot at Romeo Dobbs who who kind of has a low floor you know which which receiving options do you take? But what I did say also, Mike, is that I loved Aaron Jones, and I wonder as I turn this over to you for this game, is is there a stack with just Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones? Double A A Ron stack. Oh yeah, double A A Ron stack is absolutely in play. Uh, what I'm more likely to do though is I'm likely to play Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Robert Tunyon. I uh, love Robert Tanyan this week. Uh, I think that he's I, I'm going to play a lot of double tight end just like I have been. Uh, it's going to allow me to get the, the the running backs that I want, at least two of them, obviously. Um, and, and then I'm going to have one or two of the big receivers that I like. Definitely the quarterback that I like. Uh, but at thirty eight hundred in, in this particular spot, I like it. Uh, I like that the game is in Detroit. Uh, it's a controlled environment in the dome. Very comfortable for everyone. Yes, Aaron Rodgers does love playing at home. However, everyone doesn't necessarily love playing in that environment. Everyone enjoys playing in a dome. It's just more comfortable to begin with. But that's where the Lions are good enough to push you, right? That's what I care the most about. This Lions team is better at home. They move the football better at home. They can push teams uh, and then I will note Alan Lazard. I fully expect him to play. I uh, practiced again today on Thursday. I think that's going to help a ton. But yeah, I love Aaron Rodgers. The price point's simply too cheap. He's mm-hmm. what, $5,900 uh, at this point. We're less than 6K on Aaron Rodgers playing in a controlled environment against a team that is good enough to actually push him this time around. 
Uh, yeah, I think this is a smash spot for them. Love all of them that are playing, basically. I'll, I'll, there is a scenario that if Lazard is actually in there and active, that I end up playing Rodgers, Jones, Lazard, and Tanyan all in the same lineup, full on slot. And for- Forgive me if you spoke to this, but do you like any runbacks? I mean, I, I don't obviously DeAndre Swift, it, it, you know, there's problems there, right? Because we know he's yeah. not getting the goal line work and he's just really not getting that many touches at this point. Not gambling on that, but as a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown or maybe a secondary receiver like Josh Reynolds or even Khalif Raymond, any of those guys in the conversation for you? Yeah, I love Amandra St. Brown. He's going to be one of my top three wide receivers uh, of the week. Uh, I could sprinkle Reynolds in. The issue with Reynolds is he didn't practice, I I believe, right? He's out with a back injury from practice today. Um, If that continues, then I might have to look at Raymond or even further down the depth chart to take some shots here. Um, Yeah, it's a spot where I do like Amandra St. Brown, though. I think he's going to get there through volume. No Hawkinson, obviously, for Detroit. Um, I think he's going to get force fed targets. This could be a game where they fail to really score a ton, but he gets there individually just through sheer volume. Right. Um, so I, I like him on Sam Brown a lot. Yeah. And you're right about Josh Reynolds, by the way, he did not practice this. This show is, is live right now. It's Thursday, but for those of you listening to the podcast, it is, um, Thursday and he did not practice. So that's, that's another thing to keep an eye on. Khalif Raymond certainly presents some value if he doesn't play. Um, with that said, if you're listening to the podcast, again, I'll say it just one more time. Please go ahead and review the podcast. Hit five stars. Hit a, a couple words what you like about this show. Uh, super helpful for the FFT DFS brand. Hit the like button if you're new in here. We've gone um, about 30 minutes, and maybe we don't have everybody from the beginning in terms of uh, maybe we have some new people in here. Hit the like button. Let's try to get over 100 likes and let's get to the next game, which is a game, by the way, before we get to the next game, Mike, I do want to point out, because you mentioned controlled environment. We are getting, and I always say this, right, where I've been saying it the last couple of weeks, we're getting into those winter months, especially in most of the country. I, I live in South Florida, so there's no winter here, FYI. For those of you that didn't know, there's like literally no winter here. But I, I do want to point out, we don't have any real weather concerns. There's a little bit of wind here and there, like in Chicago, it might get a little windy, but nothing to actually affect the game. But It's interesting because what I'm finding, and this is somewhat of a coincidence and certainly somewhat not a coincidence, even though we don't have weather, weather, the games we like the most, the games generally with the highest totals tend to be the ones in the the controlled environment, even when the weather isn't an issue anywhere else. And I'll give you an example of that. The Chargers and the Falcons. That's the next game we're going to, by the way. That's going to be in a dome. Packers-Detroit. We just talked about why we love that game, and that's one of the highest totals. That's in a controlled environment in a dome. And Seattle at Arizona, which I suspect we're going to like quite a bit as well, that's also in a dome. So those are the only dome games on the main slate, and it just so happens those are three of the highest totals on the slate. So again, consider weather, as especially as we get uh, later on into the season. But let's talk about that Chargers-Falcons game. But before we do that, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. And we are back. My name is Sian Ajab. This is Fantasy Football Today. DFS, it's our Thursday game-by-game preview. And, of course, I'm with Mike McClure. You can find Mike McClure pretty much everywhere, including the early edge. Or, by the way, Mike, you were at the you were at the World Series and you met Mattress Mac. Can you just, before we get to this Chargers game, quick story. You met him, nice guy. T- tell us everything. Yeah, met Mattress Mac. Uh, great game out at the World Series, Game 3. I was wearing a Bryce Harper jersey when I met Mattress Mac. Of course, Bryce Harper homered on the first pitch that he saw in the game. Uh, beautiful game. I have to say a lot of nice things about Philly. I've been to a lot of playoff baseball games now in my day, and th- this was one of the best experiences that I have had. Uh, just from getting to the game, getting in and out, 
everything was run very well. Um, yeah, I loved it. Phillies won that game. Was a very cool environment to be in. Positive and Mac, fan experience from yeah, Philly. and Mac that, was you great. Don't hear that every day. And Mac was great. No. Okay. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I would my fan experience have been different had I been wearing a Jose Altuve jersey? <laughs> possible. It's possible. But wearing a Bryce Harper jersey, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to have any issues there. I like that you singled out Jose Altuve, by the way, because that would be one that would probably get a little bit more than your standard uh, Houston Astros jersey. Okay, so this is probably my favorite game, Mike, and I mentioned it on Tuesday. Listen, if you don't listen to us on Tuesday, please listen. It's the solo pod, but but it's really great. We go over all our great lineups. They happen to be great this last week. And then we take an early look at pricing, which is probably the most fun thing I do. Um, every week, not just talking about it, but just literally just looking at the early pricing and seeing the directions I want to go is something I quite enjoy. And one of the games I talked about, Mike, was this Chargers-Falcons game. It's Chargers are favored by three and a half. It's a 49 and a half point total, just like that Packers game, by the way. And I think there's a lot going on here, especially because from a value standpoint, especially because of the injuries. Now, the Chargers are coming off a bye. I love that for the Chargers, by the way. But we thought Keenan Allen was probably going to be available coming off a of buy, and it looks like he's not going to be available. So we'll have to confirm that as the weekend uh, sort of progresses or, 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 or comes near. But it looks like Keenan's going to be out. It looks like Mike Williams, of course, he's on IR. He's going to be out. So, Mike, it, pre- it presents some value in what I discussed on Tuesday was, was a double stack with Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler. And we know Austin Eckler sort of has that that Alvin Kamara role that we saw last week. And we've been playing him literally all season. We've been stacking him with Justin Herbert, and it's really paid off. But And then you can open up, because that's an expensive stack, right? But then you can open up some value with like playing a third guy, like let's say a Gerald Everett or a Josh Palmer, or maybe even going down to just the basement. If you want to take a shot, I'm probably not going to do it, like DeAndre Carter or Michael Bandy or something. But, you know, I, I think the Herbert... Eckler, Josh Palmer stack is where I'm going to go. Am I going to have a run back? Probably not. I don't like to force run backs, and we've seen it week after week. In in high-scoring games, implied totals on one side, you really don't have to force a run back. If I were to force a run back, it probably would be Kyle Pitts. I think Patterson's probably going to be back in this game, which makes that backfield even more muddled because I don't know what Patterson's share is actually going to be. With all that said, do you like this game as much as I do? And if you do... Who are you playing? So I do like it. I'm more likely to play individual pieces than stack it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, again, I'm going to have Green Bay stacked up at least three times out of the five that I have available to me. Uh, It's possible this earns one stack consideration, but other than that, I love Austin Eckler. He's going to be a core lineup piece. I love Josh Palmer. I think he's going to be a core lineup piece uh, or at least sprinkled in, isolated there. I think it's a pretty fair price point. I obviously would love him to be 4,200, but that that would make his ownership, you know, 50% owned on this kind of slate. So I'm happy mm-hmm. with it where it is. I think it's middling enough that we get fair value on it. We get fair ownership value. Everything's fine. Uh, love those two guys a lot. Where it gets difficult for me, I'm not going to play Herbert, although I like him. Uh, Herbert's one that I'm probably going to end up having to bet his player props just to hedge my not playing him in DFS. Um, And and the reason for that is I like Aaron Rodgers, the price point. I I like going cheaper. I think that I can get most of Herbert's exposure through Austin Eckler personally. So I'm Mm -hmm. going to go that route. Um, What is interesting for me here in this game, though, I kind of like Marcus Mariota. 
I, I, he's close to being the third quarterback that I would play. And that's, that, that's a lot of respect to Justin Herbert and the Chargers side, thinking that they're going to have to keep up here. But what I like about Mariota is, is we all know that he's been able to run. If you look at his game log, I don't know if we can pull his game log up quickly, though. Look, yeah, on, on Mariota's game log, uh, look, it, it's super fascinating to me. When you look at the rushing yards, especially in the last four games, he's been north of 30 every single one of those games, north of 40 and three of them, 50 yards in one, 60 in another. Uh, he, he's running again, right? And all that time, he's thrown six passing touchdowns in those games. Uh, he, he's put up quite a few fantasy points. You see a game of 12. That's essentially the floor that you're going to get. That was on the road against Cincy. I, I'm willing to throw that one out. But when you see these fantasy point scores of 24, now knowing what the Chargers look like, uh, I think there's some sneaky upside here. I don't think you necessarily have to pair him with any of his own teammates. I think you could pair him with Eckler and Josh Palmer, get a little different there, and then toss in the pieces that you absolutely love from the other games. Um, but I will say Drake London also projects as kind of a potential spike game. The the targets are confusing there on this team. Uh, we've got guys coming back. I don't think it's a great play. I'd much rather play Allen. I wish Drake London was cheaper. He's not. Uh, but he is someone that's on my radar as a potential tournament play. I really like the Mariota call at 5,300. And by the way, so we saw that game log. He had 28 pass attempts. And you might think, well, that, well, that's an aberration. This is, I'm talking about the last game. You might think that's an aberration, especially when you contrast that with his, the, the other games that we see where it's sometimes 13, 14 pass attempts. But you're right, Mike, the Chargers are going to push him. I mean, it's just, it's going to be inevitable that, they're, like, that the Atlanta secondary is completely decimated. Casey Hayward's out. AJ Terrell's probably not playing. One of their backup safeties just got traded to the Bills. They're so thin in the secondary. And, and especially coming off a of bye, I think even with the banged up receiver core, I think uh, a healthier Justin Herbert is definitely going to take advantage of that. And I think that's going to push Marcus Mariota because, by the way, the Chargers secondary hasn't done the Chargers many favors either. And, and for the record, to the extent you think the pass attempts are an aberration, you think, OK, well, he's going to be down to 16 pass attempts instead of the 28 that we saw. Well, guess what? His, his passing prop, his passing attempts prop is 24 and a half. Now, it's shaded to the under. But so, like, I think we can kind of bank on Vegas thinks this is going to be like 23, 24 pass attempts for Marcus Mariota. If that's the case, knowing his rushing floor, which we think is a rushing floor, and knowing that he's only 5,300 in a, in a super high total, boy, Mike, I, I think you kind of discovered something here because I, I, I think yeah. this is um, a pretty smart play. My question for you, though, is, is that something you're just trying to extract the value in cash games or it's something you might consider in a tournament as well? Uh, tournament for sure. Um, yeah, okay. it'll it'll be the same for for me. I kind of run the same lineups in all contest formats personally now. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it'll it'll be deployable in all formats for sure. Okay, that's yeah, that's great. Okay, and and I agree. By the way, and I talk about this a lot, especially on the Tuesday show, where you know some of these cash game lineups that they're smashing in tournaments because a lot of the chalk is getting there. So if you just have the right chalk and you're differentiated just a little bit somewhere else, and we saw it yep. with Mike's lineups, you can, you can smash just like Mike did uh, last week. So let's move on to the next game. We got two more games, which we'll go over really quick before we go over the two four o'clock games. Again, only two four o'clock games. It's a 10 game slate. We have six teams on by. So that's kind of why it's normally, you know, four games on by, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, Colts plus five and a half at the Patriots. It's a 40-point total. This is very much a ho-hum game. The only guy that I think I'm interested in here, you know, first of all, 
let's set the table here. And, and Sam Ellinger, by the way, is 5,000 instead of 4,000. It's something, you know, it, it, the, the value, Mike, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't think the value is there, uh, especially at New England at a at $1,000 more. I do think there's value in Deion Jackson. Uh, Jonathan Taylor didn't practice again today on Thursday. So I, I think at the price, Deion Jackson, especially if he gets some some target work, we saw at Jacksonville in week six, he, he caught 10 out of 10 targets. You know, how is that going to play out this week? I mean, if Jonathan Taylor isn't in there, I, I do see maybe a lot of targets coming his way. And if he gets somewhere between 10 to 12 rush attempts, uh, he could pay off. He could have a spike game. Mike, any interest in anybody in this game? And are you just passing over Deion Jackson? And I'm assuming for the sake of this question, that Jonathan Taylor is not playing just for the sake of this question. Yeah. So assuming he's not playing, I am not playing Deion Jackson. Uh, I'm going to talk about it quickly. Why? Um, mm-hmm. And as much as it hurts me because I feel like Sam Ellinger might owe me a hundred grand or so at this point, <laughs> his score, he had three rushing attempts called back on holding penalties. One of mm. them was 21 yards. One was 22 yards. Um, he Ellinger lost six points basically in rushing upside. Theoretically, in my opinion was stuffed at the one going in for a touchdown. Uh, he ran the ball a lot. And what concerns me about Deion Jackson, his real upside came in those two games, Denver and Jacksonville, uh, came with a different quarterback, obviously, but where it came was in the passing game, four, atten- four targets, four catches, 10 targets, 10 catches. What's incredibly concerning, we saw Jonathan Taylor start to grab targets from Matt Ryan. Jonathan Taylor, I believe, was targeted one time last week with Sam Ellinger playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, that tells me Ellinger's going to look to run. And yeah. Ellinger should have had a big rushing day even if just one of those play calls is not called back on a holding penalty makes a a pretty big difference, but he looked to run quite a bit. I expect him to do the same. And then I expect, you know, it's possible they start dumping it off to Deion Jackson again. Um, Just if we get to that situation later in the week, let's try to remember uh, that we may not see those 10 or, you know, 14 targets in two games. We may not see that here this time around. A very, very good point. With the new quarterback, it's a completely different situation. And it's certainly a quarterback that's more prone to breaking the pocket and trying to pick up four or five yards as opposed to uh, to dumping it off. Anybody else in this game that you're interested in, or do, do we just move on to the Raiders and the Jags? Uh, the computer wants me to play Ramondre Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, it wants him to jam him in right there. I, I don't mind it. Um, I, I, I'll tell you the real issue I have with it. I mean, it might sound kind of dumb. Um I don't know how sustainable this everything is from Stevenson. I, I we've seen it many weeks in a row now. They also really, you know, they have another easy matchup. They haven't really played anybody in these last few games. You could say they played someone in the Jets, but uh, looking across the game log, you know, you've got Cleveland, Detroit, Green Bay, Chicago, the Jets. Right? The, the, they're all winnable games. Um, I, I'm just worried a little bit. Is it all sustainable? Computer wants the computer tells me it is. The computer wants me to play him. I like Aaron Jones a lot more personally, so I'm probably going to be stubborn and play Aaron Jones uh, more. But the computer wants us to play Stevenson. Fair enough. I mean, one thing to keep in mind: the Colts' rush D is actually pretty good. So, I mean, I think that's part of the reason you might want to end up fading Rash- uh, Ramondre Stevenson. I almost called him Rashard for some reason. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Um, but yeah, certainly at 6,200, we see the value there, especially if Damian Harris continues to really take that back seat, which we're not 100% sure is going to happen, of course. All right, let's move to the four, uh, excuse me, the two, not four. I wish there were four. The two four o'clock games, and then we're going to get to Mike's top three at each position, and we're going to get to uh, our cheat sheet. 
Mike, let's start with uh, Seahawks at the Cardinals. I think this is a 405 start. I say that again for late swap purposes. The Rams Buccaneers is 425. Seahawks Cardinals is um, 405. So this is a very interesting game. Now, the last time these two teams played, it was just a few weeks ago, and the results were very underwhelming. I know I was on that game, and it didn't really work out. Mike, I think you might have had a little piece of that game as well. Yeah. It's the Seahawks plus two at the Cardinals, 49.5 point total. You know, D-Hop is back, so that makes things a little bit different. Marquise Brown is out. We know the concentration of targets is likely to D-Hop and perhaps Rondale Moore. I certainly like Rondale Moore's value. I assume everybody else does. I assume he's flashing in the in the ownership projections. But do you like either side of this? Now, DK Metcalf is healthy. Like, he had more targets than Tyler Lockett last week, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because we thought DK might be out three to six weeks or something. I mean, it's not something I said, but that was just something I had in my my head after seeing uh, his his knee situation I absolutely could see a, a Geno stack here because he continues to be like in that 5K range and in pairing him with DK or or Lockett makes sense to me. And on the other side, I think Kyler Murray could get loose at home here too. So, I mean, I, I definitely like this game. I'm just, I'm wondering if you do as well. I love it. Uh, yeah, Hopkins is my favorite receiver on the slate. Absolutely love the volume that he's going to get. Uh, I think we can definitely count on it really in, in any game script here. Uh, I don't expect Arizona to be blowing people out. They find ways to play competitive football games. So definitely going right back to the well there. Love the targets. Uh, it's exactly what we we kind of thought we would see from him. Hasn't really run super hot in terms of touchdowns yet. He had one, an incredible catch that he made incredible. in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and that's what you get from him, right? He, he makes the most out of those red zone opportunities typically. So I love him. Kyler Murray is a quarterback I'm also paying up for. Uh, he had a massive game last week, really, uh, without a ton of upside with his legs. You know, 30 yards is not a lot for uh, Murray with his legs. He, he's got 70 to 80 yard rushing upside along with the passing volume that we saw from him in that spot. So you keep in mind, he still threw two interceptions in that game uh, and almost scored 30 fantasy points. Uh, you, you know, without having more than 36 rushing yards with a low, he lost a fumble too uh, in that game. He turned mm -hmm. the ball over three times, didn't score a rushing touchdown, didn't have 40 yards rushing, still hit 30 fantasy points. Um, love Kyler Murray. He's the high end spend for me here on the other side. I like Metcalf. I like Lockett. I think Gino is fine. Um, you know, if you watched this show 10 minutes ago or listened to about 10 minutes previous in this, uh, the decision for me is going to be on the third quarterback. It's going to be Geno Smith or Marcus Mariota. I personally think I'm going to lean on the Mariota side just because it's mm -hmm. a little different. Um, and, and I can still get pieces of Geno or Geno's overall environment. So I, I, I don't mind Geno. I'm not going to end up playing him, though. Okay, and Rondale Moore, any thoughts on him? Or if James Conner is playing, is that somebody at 5,800 you'd consider or you're just, it's a pass? Um, I need to look. Probably going to be a pass. Let's see. Limited on Wednesday. Haven't got the report today. Uh, Moore is fine. Uh, my issue with Moore, not an issue, my, my interest in Moore would be game stack only, uh, only in a Kyler Murray lineup. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna be playing a good amount of Rondell Moore, but I, I do have to ask you, is he flashing in the ownership projections? Um, let me look. That's a good question. I don't believe so. That would be not good. More than normal, but not no. Uh I've got about seven percent owned, uh, making him about the seventeenth or sixteenth highest owned receiver. Uh in the same area as uh adam thielen curtis samuel garrett wilson terry mclaurin yeah 
Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to be in on that. I think I'm going to be in on a, a Kyler Murray stack, uh, perhaps with Hopkins and uh, and Rondell Moore with a uh, with a maybe a Tyler Lockett or DK uh, run back. Tyler Lockett being the more uh, economical of those two choices. Let's get to the last game before we get to to, to our cheat sheet and, and all of that. It's very underwhelming. I'm curious if you like anybody in this game. There's one receiver that I think I might be on in this game. It's the Rams plus three at the Buccaneers. They're playing at Tampa. It's a 42 and a half point total. Cooper Cup is expected to play, but he looks to be somewhat hampered by an ankle injury that he sustained late in last week's game. Um, Cam Akers returned to practice today, I think, which is just interesting to me. I don't think it matters as it pertains to DFS. I mean, this backfield was already muddled without Cam Akers, and it's going to be even you know more of a disaster in terms of uh, choosing a guy that actually has value. Uh, speaking of value, I do think Chris Godwin is kind of sneaky at 6,200 because now he's always kind of been that price, but I feel like he's likely to be kind of ignored because Tampa has just looked so underwhelming. They play a defense that that people still consider to be a somewhat elite of a defense. Uh, any interest in Godwin or anybody in this game, including, of course, Leonard Fournette, who is 6,600? I like Godwin. My issue with Godwin in terms of some of the ownership projections that i'm seeing uh i I think that he's going to be pretty popular and that that's kind of my issue makes sense he's a great play at 6200 uh probably more cash game than tournament viable um just i I expect brady to still spread it around just a little bit or just enough um so if you really want to bet on you know he's going to need to get in the end zone at least twice uh in my opinion to really have that kind of spike game i I think everything gets spread around enough so I don't mind Godwin. Um, he's in my player pool for now, but I'm more likely than not to kind of work around him by excluding him a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, that I don't. I don't really have any other comments on this game. This this game is certainly an avoid for me. I might. I might throw in Godwin at 6200 and just hope for a spike game from him. But not super interested in this game. I, if I didn't say it already, that Seahawks Cardinals game, that is probably. The th- in in my stacks, that's probably the third game that that I'm going to be stacking behind be behind the Chargers Falcons and believe it or not, I think Dolphins Bears. I think I'm just going to take a, a stand on that one and hope I get there with Tua and company. So those are the three games I like to stack. But speaking of threes, Mike, let's get to your top three at each position. Let's start with the quarterback. All right, uh, plug your nose a little bit if you've watched football this season. But Aaron Rodgers is my number one quarterback this week. Uh, and it's not particularly close. He is number one by a pretty good margin on DraftKings. Number two, Kyler Murray. Love, love, love Kyler Murray in this spot. I think it's a great spot for him in this division game. Uh, I I love him at home. I love him here in this spot. Marcus Mariota, number three. Love Marcus Mariota's upside here in this potential shootout with the Chargers. They are at home. It is a controlled environment in the Dome. I think that the Chargers are going to push him just enough. He's starting to really flash that running upside uh, in the last few games again and has a significant number of passing attempts. Thank you, Sia, for pulling up his prop, which is also up to 23 and a half passing attempts in this game. Love Mariota's upside at 5,300. Yeah, I love that. I I think Mariota is so interesting. And, And honestly, it's not a guy I had considered until we did this show. Part of the reason I love doing this show, Mike. Uh, so let's go to your running back top three. Running back's going to be a little chalky again this week. We smashed last week having the the top three. Uh, I think we could do it again with a build of Aaron Jones, Travis Etienne, and Austin Eckler. Travis Etienne's 
usage has been absolutely incredible. I like his individual matchup here as well, uh, but it's really a usage play. Uh, I think he's going to run hot uh, in this kind of spot. So give me ETN here. And then Austin Eckler, number three, love Austin Eckler. Um, should have as much usage as his body can handle. Hopefully they let him go have as many touches as he wants. Uh, that's always kind of been the concern with him. The The passing game volume is going to be there. I'd like him to carry the ball 15 times and still have 10 targets in the game. Um, and, and I think this does project as a spot, you know, coming off a bye. I think this is a good spot for them. Um, so give me Austin Eckler to go along with Aaron Jones and Travis Etienne. All right, let's go to receiver. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, it was very close between him and Tyreek Hill. I'm going to go with D-Hop just because he's a little bit cheaper, uh, and, and I like the other side and the stackability of this game. So give me DeAndre Hopkins, number one. Going to see double-digit targets most likely every game the rest of the way. Uh, Tyreek Hill is going to be my number two. Not getting cute there. Tyreek Hill is on pace to shatter what Cooper, not shatter, but better what Cooper Cup did last season. Uh, just the volume is absolutely incredible. He has a unique ability to be able to get there in pretty much every game script. I think even if they're winning big in this game, they continue to throw with Tua uh, and Tyreek. And then my number three, I went back and forth a lot. Uh, I love Amonra St. Brown. I'm not going to give you that because if you try to just jam in my top three everywhere, you're not going to necessarily fill out a whole lineup. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm going to drop it down to Josh Palmer. I like Josh Palmer a lot. He's going to be a staple in my lineups uh, with Allen and Williams likely out in this spot. Um, I, I think there are two guys on the Chargers that are going to see 10 plus targets each. It's going to be Josh Palmer and it's going to be Austin Eckler. He, he's going to be heavily involved. He's got the upside to take it to the house really at any time. Um, I, I think the week off did wonders for him personally. Uh, I think it, their buy came at a really a perfect time in the season for them. So mm -hmm. give me Josh Palmer here at 5,100. All right. And the top three tight ends. Robert Tunyon, uh, going with my top quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I like Tunyon's involvement in this game. Look, the Packers have to go win this game. They have to get right here. No better opportunity to get right than in a controlled environment against the Lions. I will also say if they are winning this game 21 nothing. I think they try and win at 48 to nothing in this game, 49. Mm -hmm. I think they absolutely run it up in this spot, get things right with the team. Uh, I love Robert Tanyan here. I think he's going to be one of the better values on the slate. Number two, Foster Moreau. I've continued to talk about him. I've continued to play him. Uh, I, I like the spot for him. I think it's a natural kind of bring back from Travis Etienne as well in that same game. Um, he, he look, he was very close to having a much bigger game than he did last week in 9.1. He put up nine points in a game at, at tight end in a game that his team did not score a single point. Uh, that is pretty impressive to do at 3,200. You know, I like to play double tight ends a lot. So keep that in mind. And then finally, it's going to be Evan Ingram. Uh, I, I went back and forth between Evan Ingram. Um, I, I think it's Tyler Higby and let me go ahead and just pull up the other one. To, to mention it, uh, Kyle Pitts. If you're playing Mariota, you can play Pitts. I don't have an issue with that. Uh, just based on the sheer volume of Chargers that we're going to play. Uh, but it's Tanyan and Moreau are the real highlights here at tight end. Yeah, I love what you said about Tanyan in terms of the Packers. And this doesn't relate to Tanyan specifically necessarily, but the Packers running up the score just make themselves feel a little bit better about themselves. Kind of get yeah. some confidence going on offense. Because if there were, if there was a team that needed that more than anyone, it's Aaron Rodgers and company and probably Tom Brady and company as well. So uh, love that call. Okay, so let's just go to our cheat sheet then. I'll, I'll go first, Mike, and then we can uh, we can do yours and we'll close the show. 
my stack, you just talked about it. You know, speaking of a kind of a nice bounce back spot, I mean, Justin Herbert's been okay, but, you know, I do think he sort of needs to rest that rib cartilage injury, and he got a chance to do that last week. Now, he doesn't have his receivers available to him, at least not his full complement of receivers, not his top two. So my stack is Justin Herbert to Austin Eckler. That's really expensive. I'll admit that. I think you could do Justin Herbert to to um, Josh Palmer, obviously, but but I'm going to want Eckler in there. So I'm actually probably going to double stack that game. I may or may not have a run back. We talked about pits, maybe a spike game from Drake London. But in this situation, it's, it's very possible I just have those three on slot and, and I move along. So uh, I think Mariota on the other side is really interesting. But Justin Herbert to Austin Eckler is going to be my stack. Value, I'll go with Rondale Moore. We like to keep that under 5K, but I cheated a little bit. He's 5,200, but he's home versus Seattle. And I really do think he can get loose against the Seattle defense. So he's starting to pick it, pick it up from a target standpoint. If he gets seven to eight targets, uh, I think that's going to be adequate. And I really think he can take one of those to the house. So hoping for that chalk play, Travis Etienne, 6,300 at home versus the Raiders. I don't think we need to talk much about that. If he's healthy the whole game, they're just going to pepper him with rushing attempts and targets. And uh, I expect him to find the end zone, if not once, maybe twice. Contrarian play. I have DK Metcalf down here. I just don't think a lot of people are going to play DK Metcalf. To the extent they stack this game, they're going to go to the lower price guy. It's not a significant price reduction, but they're probably going to go to Tyler Lockett. I also like Tyler Lockett, but again, this is a contrarian play. I'll take the more contrarian player, and I'll take DK Metcalf at 6,400. My fade. Listen, this guy wouldn't have been my fade until I saw how much his ownership was going to be. And if you're telling me Joe Mixon's going to be the highest owned running back, if not like a top three, it's just such an easy fade for me. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be a fan, even though the price is reasonable, I'm not going to be a fan of playing Joe Mixon at, at, even at 6,500 at home against Carolina. Mike, you're Chi-Chi. Yeah, uh, let's go stack. Aaron Rodgers to Robert Tunyon, noting that it could be Lazard as well. Uh, but I, I do like Aaron Rodgers stacked in some way, shape or form. Um, not too much. If you listen to the podcast, you know why I like Aaron Rodgers. You know that I like him. Uh, value play, I'm bending the rules a little bit as well. I'm giving you Josh Palmer because I think the value is simply elite at 5,100. Uh, I, I love him in this spot. Double-digit targets. Anytime you can realistically project 10 targets for a wide receiver under 6K, you've got to talk about it, right? So that, that's what we're doing here. Uh, chalk play, Aaron Jones uh, was fringe chalk. I, I think he's going to be chalk after we've talked about him here, after I publish him on Sportsline, after others talk about him throughout the weekend. Uh, I think that a lot of people are going to talk themselves into playing Aaron Jones at that volume. My contrarian play, Devontae Adams, mm. was absolutely terrible last week, right? Horrible. I think this game with Jacksonville is going to be pretty competitive. We like Travis Etienne. What better to do than find a bring back the other way? Uh, I'm projecting Devontae Adams to have very low ownership. Uh, let me pull up my actual number at this point. I have him at 4% owned. I think that number is going to land between 4 and 7%. Uh, I love Devontae Adams uh, in this spot. Looking at PFF grades quickly, wide receiver cornerback matchups. He has the number two matchup on the week only behind... Tyreek Hill. Okay. Yeah. And, I, just real quick. I, I love the Devonte Adams call. I, I might've forgot to bring this up, but I like him in a bounce back spot here. By the way, he had the flu last week. That could have explained a little yep. bit of what was going on with him last week. Love the bounce back potential in this game. Go ahead, Mike. Oh uh, yeah. I see we have a question in the chat and uh, yes, Chad, I do love Devonte Adams here. We hadn't talked about him yet on the show, but uh, I, I do love him. was an oversight on my part earlier. 
Uh, and then my fade, I'm going to stick with the same team. I'm going to fade Josh Jacobs once again. Uh, mm-hmm. Always scary, has a ton of upside, seems to run pretty well in the red zone at times too. I'm going to bet on Devontae Adams running well in this game, running well in the end zone. So because we like Aaron Jones, Travis Etienne, Austin Eckler, there's just not a lot of room for Josh Jacobs in my lineups. He's still projecting really well in terms of ownership because of what he's done so far. Um, I, I'm going to sit this one out on Jacobs again. Okay, so that's our cheat sheet. We gave you Mike's top three. We gave you our game by game preview. Mike, I'm going to ask you one more question. I don't want to give you, I don't want you to give out like showdown targets for tonight necessarily. Also, because we didn't get to 100 likes and that's just unacceptable, audience. Let's, if you, if you can't all do it yourselves, bring some, some more people next Tuesday and Thursday. But Mike, I do want to ask you, is there a player in this, in this uh, Thursday night game that, that you really like that might surprise some people? I wish I had the answer for you, Sia. I really do. Um, I haven't run anything for the showdown slate yet. I'm doing that the second that we log off of this show. Uh, it'll be up on Sportsline in the next 30 minutes. But quickly glancing, Chris Moore is someone we're going to have a lot of exposure to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be him, Dorsett, and Tyron Johnson are going to be the three receivers that are going to be most uh, in use here. Um, other than that, if you want an insane call out, Grant Calcaterra, third string tight end from the Eagles. I'm not on the show tonight, by the way, on Early Edge. So you're welcome to use that for (laughs) Van Jefferson. It is plus, it's 80 to 1, plus 8,000 over on MGM. He was on the field for a very healthy number of snaps last week after being inactive a lot throughout the season. Um, He's $300 at the captain spot. So the bare minimum, 200 on the slate. If you need to build a lineup that has A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts, maybe Damian Pierce, whatever you want in it, he's someone that I do not hate. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, I already declared my VJ and my Van Jefferson is Devontae Smith. For those of you that don't know what the Van Jefferson play is that are in the chat, all you got to do is watch the early edge tonight at 730. We do our Thursday night football preview. We do it for every night game, of course. But uh, we give out our first touchdown score, and we call that the Van Jefferson because Mike – uh, it's a long story, but he hit the first first t- touchdown player uh, prop that that the early edge did last year, and it happened to be Van Jefferson. So we call it the Van Jefferson Memorial. Anyway, catch the early edge tonight at 7.30. Mike is normally on it. He won't be on it tonight, but I will be on it. We'll give out all the prop plays we like for the Thursday night game. And for the record, Mike mentioned Sportsline. If you all aren't already members of Sportsline, please subscribe. It's so inexpensive, and you get so much content, including – all of Mike's showdown plays for tonight and every other showdown slate and all the DFS you can imagine. So check out this show, check out Sportsline, watch the early edge. That is your cocktail for being successful in DFS. For now, my name is Sia Najat. That's Mike McClure. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. Hopefully we have a week like we had last week because it was absolutely amazing. And we'll see you on Tuesday to talk about. That'll be our solo pod. That's going to be, we're going to move that actually back to five o'clock. So both of these shows are going to be at five o'clock. The solo pod is going to be at five Eastern Standard Time. And then of course, this show on Thursday, game by game preview is going to be five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Trying to get some consistency to get you all in here as much as possible. Thank you for the likes. We will see you on Tuesday.